Come on. Mary Alice, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Life, Blood, Engage. This is George G. Our guest today is a strong and powerful Mary Alice Arthur. She is a story activist. She is the author of 365 Alive and the host of the Story Dojo podcast. Excited to have you on. Mary Alice, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, it's a very interesting time in the world to think about stories, actually. And what I realized sitting here alone for, what is it now, 541 days? <laughs> this is after having a life of traveling around the world, so I've been estranged from my suitcase for a while, is that this is the first time on the planet that actually all of humanity has been in the same story together. Hmm. It's intriguing when you think about that. Of course, all of us have our unique way of looking at it, depending on where we've been and who we are and what's happened to us. But it's a point in time where what I think about my own story is even more relevant because I don't know about you, but I've been inside my own head for (laughs) a while. There's been a lot happening in the world, but given I haven't engaged with other people face to face, that leaves me a lot more time to stew in my own story. So it was way back when I was in my 30s that I first found out about storytelling. And I was working for the New Zealand Tourism Board at the time, which is, of course, a big storytelling machine, right? It's, the, it's sure. a big storytelling about how wonderful <laughs> New Zealand is, why you should go there. And, uh, you know, I'm addicted to it to this day. Uh, but what I saw there, tangibly in front of me, in a moment, was how impactful stories are. I saw people being moved to tears. And I didn't grow up in a storytelling family, so, you know, I, that wasn't, I'd read a lot. My dad was an English teacher. <laughs> I'd read a lot, but I never knew something about the power of storytelling. And that kind of set me on this trajectory to be really interested in how does it work inside of us and around us and on us and through us and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've come to the conclusion, two things. Number one, that storytelling is a human superpower that we need to be really aware of and take care of. And secondly, uh, that we live in a story and that means we can change it. I love it. I don't love the fact that you've been on your own in solitary confinement, for lack of a better term, for 541 <laughs> Can days. I come over? <laughs> sort of, <laughs> sort of questioning a lot of things. I, 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 I do love the um, what's fascinating: the idea that this is the first time that we've all been experiencing a very, very similar story, um, yeah. and that's that's probably true. Uh, so, super fascinating and. If, 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 if we are not uh, horribly impacted by COVID, it's an opportunity to, to proactively be thinking about my, our, our own stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I, I fancy myself a thoughtful person, and I, I, I like to think about what I'm thinking about. But for folks who aren't, how do you, how do you talk to people about thinking about your own story? The first thing to realize is that you're not just one story, you're, you're actually a story field. Hmm. You are, you know, every person, place, and thing is the intersection of all the stories held about it. So if you think about yourself, you're this beautiful, challenging <laughs> mosaic 
of stories. So you've received stories from your family. Who is our family? Where have we come from? Um, you know, when I was an exchange student in Germany, I realized that people didn't tell you not to do something. They just looked at you in a certain way. <laughs> They're like, if you dared to put your feet on the seat of a streetcar, you know, somebody would look at you. They'd give you the look, you know. And in German, you'd say, man tut das nicht. You, you don't do that, you know. Mm. And this is the way we have of telling each other what it's what it is to be a good human according to our perspective of culture and background and history and ancestral line, all that stuff. So you've received all of this stuff, known and unknown, because these days we know that trauma is rising. So we know that we carry the trauma stories of our ancestors and, it, and scientifically they've proved that's true up till about the fourth generation. So if your um, ancestors were part of the Holocaust, for example, then it, that's getting passed down the generations if it's not dealt with. If there's been um, abuse of any kind, that gets passed on. It's interesting to look at those guys. So you have all of those kind of things. You've got all the stuff from your culture. You've got all the stories that tell you what it is to be a man, to be a woman, to be something who's not one of these binary constructs. <laughs> you know, what does that mean? Who are you? What are you allowed to do? So story impacts our view on the world. It's like putting on a pair of glasses. It's our lens, right? And that means it impacts our agency. So not only what we see, but who we think we can be. And so how you can tell a stories in operation is if you get a couple of people together, getting people together is always exciting, isn't it? Because For sure. being a human being is messy. <laughs> and yeah, you know, anything about being human is messy. The inside of your heart, the inside of your head, messy. Uh, but if you get a couple of human beings together, there will at some point in time be some kind of conflict and somebody will be triggered. You know, if somebody gets into upset, then you know they've been triggered. And most often that means their storyline has been pinged. You know, somebody has crossed the line on their story, which inherently holds their values in it. And the challenge is human beings are like icebergs, you know. Their behaviors are showing something that's underneath the waterline. And a lot of times we, we, we're not aware that that's going on, that our behavior is showing there's something, some story that's running. You know, so if people get into regular behaviors, it's usually because they have some kind of storyline running about that. You know, if I keep all the food for myself, oh, here's a good one. You know, if you're a couple, asking a couple, is it okay to eat the food off someone else's plate? Mm. <laughs> and there not. you'll find it. Well, that depends on what family you were raised in, right? Yeah. Those kind of families who held their plates out to each other. But if you get a couple together and one of them is from, don't eat off my plate, and the other one is, it's okay to eat off on my plate, then there's going to be conflict. And it's because they have two different stories. And as I've worked as a facilitator for the past 25 years, I've realized two things. And number one is that conflict comes from people believing, first, everybody's in the same story as me. Like, everybody has my pair of glasses on. And I kind of make that assumption. And secondly, that we're all in the same place in the story at the same time, and we are not. That's number one. And number two is that in general for people to do stuff, usually a little bit of healing is needed. And that's not so overt. Sometimes it's just a, hey, I'm sorry I haven't called you for a while. And it's a little cleanup sometimes is needed before we can actually get on to bigger stuff. But if we don't deal with it, if we don't deal with the relationship, we can't actually deal with task well. I love it. 
and this is it's 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 an alignment of of something Mary Alice because literally this morning I was writing about could the opposite of your story be true ha huh. like yes. I I didn't even plan it I knew that we were talking today it was just it was just the universe putting that in my head that this was what I was <laughs> going to be pondering this morning yeah um and that's essentially what what we're talking about right it's so that the conflict is coming from believing that we're all experiencing the same story and we're experiencing the same story at the same stage that I am at, um, yeah. which is virtually impossible. Exactly. And, you know, we forget, you, you know, everybody, if you say to people, what are the components, what's the body structure of a story? They'll go, oh, it's beginning, middle, and end, right? Mm. What they forget is that's true in each of the components, right? There's the beginning of the beginning, the middle of the beginning, the end of the beginning. The beginning of the middle, the middle of the middle, the end of the middle. And each of these phases requires kind of a different take you know if you're at the beginning and just think of any story you love you know if you like lord of the rings you like ferris bueller you like what you know whatever the beginning of the story is always something new there's a curiosity right woo something new is starting yay so mostly we're like woo at the beginning of the story and then the stories we like the most come to the middle you might even call it the messy middle and there's got to be conflict or challenge or change of some kind in order for us to be interested in that story. Because if it's just, oh, it was a perfect day, then we don't remember those kind of stories because they don't teach us anything. And stories were meant to hold our wisdom and teach us stuff. That's how we hold on to our experience. So the messy middle is a time when a lot of people get, get me out of here. You know, like they, they hold up their hand and go, taxi. Right. <laughs> Where's the taxi to get me out of here? Mm-hmm. But if we could face that with some curiosity and courage too, if we could, if we could be present and go, ooh, I wonder what's happening here because out of the mess comes new clarity or new innovation. If you want to have an innovation of any type, you have to have mess first. You have to do something people haven't done before and that means you walk over, what I call walking over the edge of the known universe. You know, those old medieval maps where there was the legend, here be dragons. Right. Ah, and that's why most people don't want to go there because it feels scary. We're in that we're in the messy middle right now with COVID still of what will we as a humanity choose to make of this? And then the end part of the story is always about completion and conclusion and bringing it to a close. And there are a lot of people, especially in a business context, who love that part. Ooh, let's get on to the plan. Who's doing what? But if you skip over the relationship part which is being curious in the beginning you skip over the messy middle which is where innovation comes from then you really are putting your ladder against the wrong wall you can easily make a plan and go whoops 90 days later that was the wrong plan because i wasn't prepared to be in the mess for long enough for new clarity to arise so when we have books and you know i love i'm looking at you now because we're looking at each other and i can see you have a bookshelf Ooh, i love bookshelves and the books we love on the bookshelves have messy middles. But we don't like them so much in our own lives. <laughs> As humanity, we don't like pain that much. Right? We're trying to move forward, which is why people keep calling for listening to normal. Because even if we do it because of the familiar. But the new stuff, the unfamiliar stuff, that's where a new story begins. Amen. You're putting your ladder against the wrong wall. I think that that is. I've never heard that before. I think that that's an amazing term right there. 
they, they think that, that was all um, really, really well said. And um, the the necessity of the courage and the curiosity to and and being willing to be in that mess are are we getting worse at that? I think I lost you. Hello? You still there? Yes. Well, that's that's interestingly debatable, isn't it? Because all of this stuff depends on self-reflection. And the challenge with social media and how addicted we are to sound bites means that we never take anything very deeply. We kind of skip to the next thing. We get distracted quite easily. And the the power of a story is that it it pulls you in, and it um, and in fact, there's a thing about storytelling that's called entrainment. You know, you can see that if someone is telling a cool story, then people kind of get this look in their eyes and they lean in, and it's like it's like a oh, tell me more kind of look. You know, and and there's a, almost like an inner child inside of anybody, even if they're wearing a business suit, <laughs> mm-hmm. if they're hearing a good story, there's this kind of, that's why I say where, my favorite place on the planet is the place, a circle where people are leaning in. And entrainment means that you hop on the train, you hop on the train of the story, right? And what happens from a physiological point of view is if you're hearing a compelling story your brain starts to light up in the same way that the storyteller's brain is lighting up so from a physiology point of view you're in the story with them that's why stories are so powerful right but if all we get is sound bites we never get the full story we don't get the many layers of gray the many shadings of possibility the greater learning we could get out of it which is why human beings invented stories why did we invent stories? So that we could survive. And the stories, and we know that they're, they're some of the oldest powerful myths and legends are still around because they did that. They have a truth in them that never went away. That's why they're still here and we still remember them. But as we keep engaging in this small titty, titty here, there, everywhere, then we lose that self-reflective capacity. So if you really want to be a magnetic force in the world, then you need presence. And presence depends on your capacity to know your own story material so that you don't get triggered all the time, so that you can actually be really with somebody else. In fact, I call witnessing witnessing. You know, if I, the greatest gift I could give to you, and let me just say that to everybody, if you want to really love somebody, listen to them. Because listening is love in action. And most human beings are desperate for that, which is why they're speaking louder, why they're trolling other people, because they're not ever listened to, they're not valued for themselves. So what we're losing in this current time is the art of conversation. And if you enter a conversation, that's different than a dialogue, uh, than a debate. George, um, David Baum said something to the extent like, you know, Discussion is like percussion. We come to it and beat upon each other with our quantums until one of us falls silent. Hmm. You know, it's kind of like, But a conversation is like being two banks of a river. And a river makes an ecology. The river and the banks are not separate from each other. If we come into conversation, we're willing to be changed by it. So how often 
do you come into conversation willing to be changed and learn something? That comes from being confident and sure in yourself, trusting yourself first. Because if you can trust yourself, then you can be more curious about the other person and allow them to have a different opinion because it's interesting. The world is more interesting. So there's plenty to learn <laughs> still. Yeah, a thousand percent, right? Two banks, of, two banks of a river, although they could be totally different places, are still the same, st still part of the same river. I really butchered that, but that is also really, really wise, Mary yeah. Alice. <clears throat> and I, I think uh, what what I was noodling on this morning, thinking about this morning, was uh, was really having that courage and the curiosity of the things you were just talking about to, to question why it is that I think about things in, in, in that way and how in the world could half the world be so stupid and my half of the world is, is, is so smart, <laughs> right? Like what a bunch of idiots. Yeah. But maybe, just just maybe, there's, there's something in there that I need to question in myself about why it is that, that I'm thinking the way that I am and being empathetic. Is it, is it, is it employing a little bit of empathy to to another human's experience and understanding that their story is different than mine and that they're in a totally different stage. Yeah, I mean Charles Eisenstein had his his question is extremely powerful around story. He said the one one of the most powerful questions you can ask anyone else, which demonstrates your 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 capacity to be empathetic and to be there for them, is what is it like to be you? Hmm. What a beautiful question that is. So instead of, then I think the current situation has had us uh, interacting and not, not so gracefully on opinions rather than who are you and how may I understand you? And in doing so, could I learn something that might help? And can I invite you to bring your gifts to the circle, please, mate, because we need them. I saw that really demonstrated friend uh, who's now gone missing her called Margaret Jeffries lived in a little community called Little Littleton, which is outside of Christchurch, it's the port town to Christchurch, and it's connected by a tunnel. And this particular community, small, had one major employer that was the port company, and the citizens had a very negative uh, relationship. It's like having an older brother you really don't like, <laughs> but who has all the power, right? You know, it's a snarky. <laughs> Margaret got tired of this. She said to herself, what could I do? So she decided to do what I would call a guerrilla gardening approach. You know, guerrilla gardening is where you sneak up on a place at night, make it beautiful and sneak away. Nobody mm. sees you. I think that's so cool. Anyway, so Margaret <laughs> went to the local newspaper and said, I'd like to do a column interviewing citizens. And they went, oh, okay. <laughs> so what Margaret did was she went to people and she had an appreciative interview with them. She asked them the most beautiful and wonderful things about themselves. And people found themselves in these interviews sitting taller and discovering something about themselves. And everybody in the community started really loving reading this, and they really liked finding out about people. And so the positive nature of things started to grow. Margaret went, oh, this feels really good. I think I'll start a little community organization. So she did. And people started to be magnetized to it because she was so curious and was really turning her appreciative eye on. And who are you and what can you bring? And oh, great, come over here. The art of invitation. And so eventually people started to pop up and they said, um, I have this, would you like to use it? So suddenly the resources came out of the closet and out of the basement and out of the garage because people wanted to offer it because there was kindness and there was kind of generosity and love at the center, right? So more became possible. 
When the Christchurch earthquake happened, this was a major devastation to the town, and the tunnel was shut, so the town was functionally cut off from the rest of the peninsula, but they did okay, because what we learn, and what I learned living 30 years on the Ring of Fire in New Zealand, is that the community that is the most resilient is not the wealthiest community, it's the most connected community, because people have far more resources than they ever realized, and if they are in love with each other, they're going to bring those resources. If they're in fear with each other, they're going to withhold the resources or not even realize they have them. Important story for us right at this moment. Amen. Well, Mary Alice, those are good ones, but the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Two things. Uh, First of all, start writing stories. Just start in the morning and write a story about your life. And you might, you might have a prompt for yourself. What do I know about leadership? What do I think about wealth? Um, where did I learn about kindness? What do I know about relationships? So you might have prompts like that, or you might just begin going, what, what happened to me when I was five? Write that story. Because the more stories you start writing, the more will come to you, the more you'll become aware of what you're holding. Brain scientists say you never forget anything you ever experienced, you just don't know where you put it. It's like having something in the back of the closet. So the moment you start inviting, you become a story field, your story field wakes up. So do yourself that service. And number two, see where you can listen in the world for two reasons. Number one, it's a gift to other people and you might learn something. And number two, the better you listen, the wiser people think you are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think those are great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. That's why I keep my mouth shut so much, Mary Alice. I'm trying to convince (laughs) people. Good idea. (laughs) Brilliant. That's awesome. Mary Alice, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and how can people engage with you? you come to my website, which is www.getsoaring.com, that's G-E-T-S-O-A-R-I-N-G.com, you'll find out about a free video series I'm offering at the moment. So if you want to learn more about your story or you feel stuck, like I have been, (laughs) I I did this for me, really. Uh, Secondly, you'll find out about my book, and there's a link there. And thirdly, you'll find out about the Story Dojo or the community I'm running. And we'd love to see you there. If you'd like to just come and taste test, please drop me a line. And I'll send you a link and you can come and experience what it's like. I love it. If you enjoyed this, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Mary Alice your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to getsoaring.com, G-E-T-S-O-A-R-I-N-G.com. Check out the video series, pick up a copy of the book, and listen to the Story Dojo podcast. Thanks again, Mary Alice. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.